you're listening to Privacy Files, the podcast that makes privacy approachable for businesses and consumers alike. This episode is brought to you by Anonymy Labs, makers of MySudo, the world's only all-in-one privacy app. And Sudo Platform, the cloud-based platform companies turn to for seamlessly integrating privacy solutions into their software. Welcome to episode number 24 of Privacy Files. I'm Rich. And I'm Sarah. In our last episode, Sarah and I talked to a licensed private investigator to get his perspective on the difficulties of protecting one's privacy in the digital age. Today, we are celebrating, or should I say bemoaning, tax season in the United States. For Americans, April 18th is the final day to file your personal income taxes. And if you're like most people, you either have or will file your taxes electronically using one of the many online tax prep services available on the market. But how safe is your personal data? We're going to find out, I think. And Sarah, before we jump into this topic, found this article on Forbes, which kind of ties into a past episode that we did on smart devices and smart cities. And the title is How Improved Data Privacy Can Impact the Future of the Gas Tax. So more Americans, they're adopting EVs, right? I mean, you can't get away from that today in the news. No, it's all you hear about. And of course, how are the roads paid for, how they maintain? It's through that gas tax that uh, I'm sure as you are, you know, mumbling under your breath when you're filling <laughs> up that tank going, oh, does it cost so much? Well, if you don't need the gasoline for your vehicle because you're driving one of those EVs, you're not really participating or helping to upkeep the roads. So states like California, Washington, and Utah have begun exploring road user charge systems. Now, this is where it gets a little bit interesting. So I found this article, Americans' Attitudes About Privacy, Security, and Surveillance. This goes back, I think, to a um, a 2015 study by Pew Research Center. They found that only 6% of adults feel very confident that government agencies can keep their records private and secure. That might as well just be zero. (laughs) 6%. It's abysmal. And further in there, they mentioned that 93% of adults say that being in control of who can get information about them is important. And 90% say that controlling what information is collected about them is important. So it sounds like progress is being made, at least on the, on the awareness side of privacy. But I guess the takeaway here is the majority of Americans do not trust the government. All right. It's like they want the privacy. We know it's important, but you're not the one we trust to help us get there. Exactly. And so the, the punchline in this is, says, and this is a quote, that there's a serious effort by the federal government to pass data privacy legislation. And that is exactly what we will need to get the driving public on board with the road usage charge. So the solution is we're just going to pass a law, right? And that'll make you feel a lot more comfortable sharing your location information. Oh, yeah. So a quick quick look at who is writing this article for Forbes is this gentleman named Mark Pittman. Now, he's the founder and CEO of a company named Blinksy. Now, we did that Smart Cities episode, right? That was the part two one that we did on um, smart devices. And so this company is basically just a smart city company. It's got a bunch of IoT devices, and they uh, their tagline for the company is delivering intelligent infrastructure solutions. Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, further, they, they describe themselves as um, we deliver data on how people move and use the infrastructure that connects us all to increase safety, sustainability, and efficiency. Sounds pretty virtuous. Right. Right. But they utilize dash cam footage 
from a network of over 400,000 dash cams that are already inside thousands of cars on roadways, plus a bunch of machine learning and AI and on and on. They've got a service called Smart Work Zones for construction. And then they also have this product called Pulse, which is a real-time monitoring system that collects data from advanced movement sensors. And they're streamlining the collection, processing, and dissemination of traffic data. And their proprietary blink sensors passively read the signals of electronic devices as they pass by. And this allows uh, Blinksy to perform a traffic study in near real time every second of every day, almost anywhere. This is a lot. <laughs> yeah. There's just so many things. I have problems with electric vehicles anyways, from the batteries, if you dig into how those are mined and stuff like that with the cobalt. And then you just sort of, to me, it's like a Trojan horse for all these other things. It's like they they sell it like this, you're doing good, you, you know, this is for your greater good, but it's like, they're just collecting so much information. And we even talked about, it's like, well, if we're not paying the gas tax, it's like, they're, they'll find a different way to get a little bit of money from you, you know, or tracking you based on you, you were talking before we were recording about different zones you drive into or some, you know, like different areas will be costing different things, you know? So there's always something tied to it. And that brings me to the last part of this story. So a link that was included in that Forbes article was to a, um, I guess it was a two or three year old article about Washington Department of Transportation secretary who wants to mandate GPS tracking devices in cars to monitor your road usage charge. How much am I going to charge you, right? So this was found uh, in the uh, article on the site for Washington Policy Center. And essentially the takeaway is they don't want to just charge you for every mile you drive, but they want to make adjustments to those charges based upon when, where, and why you're taking the trip. (laughs) Sometimes I'm just left speechless a little bit because it's just the way the world is going sometimes baffles me. So just when you thought they were just going to do a replacement, oh, okay, well, you're not going to the gas station. Now it's different. Yeah. And you're like, well, what if they make, you know, going to the grocery store cost more? You know, these, these places that you need to go to they'll just charge you a little bit more, the doctor's office, or, you know, you, they can just decide where it's more expensive. It's it's crazy to think about that this is a world we could live in if things like this do get passed. It's crazy to yeah, think about. Yeah, you, you would think it would be nuts to talk like this, but it's not, it a, it's not, it's not much of a reach to say that, well, they really do want to control their your movements. Absolutely. Like, wow. Yeah. But, you know, you hope that hopefully these, you know, people like this um, transportation uh, department secretary in Washington is just an anomaly or an outlier. You hope we hope so. <laughs> but for the fact that those ideas are out there and they are possible, you just have to keep your eye on what people are attempting to do. Yeah. Hope we didn't so scare you're not you. blindsided one day. <laughs> yeah. Please don't be frightened about this one. <laughs> All right, Sarah, I guess let's open up a case file on income taxes and data privacy. So yeah, I was filing my taxes for the year with an online tax prep company and just, you know, thought to myself for a second, all of this personal information just autofills from the previous year. So how safe is my personal information during tax season? So that's sort of where my head was going. And then whether you're using an online tax prep company or working with a CPA from the standpoint of worrying about if they're selling off your information like other companies and services do, I originally wanted to say that you don't necessarily need to worry about that because of a tax code that's in place. But we've got some things to dig into today with an article that came out in November with some tax filing services trying to actually work around this tax code. Um, There's an 
internal revenue code called tax information privacy, and it prohibits the IRS and your tax professional and these companies from disclosing your tax information without your written consent. There's also the Taxpayer First Act, which was enacted in 2019, that requires the IRS to notify a taxpayer if IRS or a federal or state agency recommends disciplinary action against an employee found to have accessed or disclosed the taxpayer's return or return information without permission. So I wanted to dig into a bit more about how this tax information privacy works and found that the tax information privacy law is this blanket approach that recognizes five specific exceptions under which your tax information can be legally and ethically shared with certain others. So the first one is the IRS can disclose your information to your state's taxing authorities if the state makes its request in writing. Two, your tax information can be provided to law enforcement, but only if law enforcement has a valid court order for accessing it. Three, the code also allows the IRS to make limited disclosures of return information in the course of official audits or if your tax record provides vital, necessary information into an investigation. Number four, the IRS can share your tax information with the Social Security Administration, but only to establish your liability for FICA taxes. It can't divulge any other data or information. And the last one, your information can be shared if you authorize it using certain legal forms. So you've got what's supposed to be this strong law behind you to protect you from your personal tax information just being sold or sent around like regular companies or services do. However, not only do I see the typical vulnerabilities, you know, for tax filing software to be hacked that we talk about all the time, but information came out at the end of last year that some high profile tax filing services are sort of, you know, trying to work around this IRS code. So do you want to dig into that article that came out? Yeah, sure. And, and before I do, I, I just thought of something as you were going through yeah. your, your list. You know, when you use like an online tax service like TaxCut or um, I guess TurboTax those are two common ones. They always give you the option to have a representative for that company basically represent you if there's any questions. And I, and I wonder right. if that's a good or bad idea. Yeah, it just I think if you're just filing basic taxes, because we ran into the same thing throughout the process of filing, it prompts you at least two or three times throughout the whole process. Are you sure you don't want to upgrade? Do you want somebody to review your taxes for, you know, and so they do. They give you those options plenty of times. But it just is really unnecessary. If you have simple taxes, it's just... Yeah. And if you've got more complicated taxes, you're usually going through a professional CPA. So I would just avoid third parties. Yeah, I just wonder how good it is. Like, let's say there is an audit and then you've uh, granted tax cut some person there to represent you. I wonder if... I just wonder if that turns out in your favor or not. Because they basically, at that point, they've already taken your money. Yeah. So yeah. you wonder how much they actually care. Yeah. Okay, so there was an article... On the markup, this was a pretty, I think this was a pretty earth shattering one that happened toward the end of last year. So Meta has been sued for collecting financial information through these online tax prep filing services and their associated websites. So this proposed class action lawsuit, which was filed, I believe toward the end of last year, it alleges that Meta, which of course is Facebook's parent company, had violated users' trust and expectations of privacy by collecting sensitive financial information from these online tax filing services. Now, this was filed on December 1st of 2022 in federal court, and it mentions that Meta 
uh, at least the, the accusation is, is that they were breaking contractual promises to users and in some cases literally violating state and federal law. Now, this action was brought on behalf of anonymous plaintiffs who filed their 2020 taxes online using H&R Block, but as you'll see, this impacts pretty much all the major tax filing services. So according to the markups investigation, this, um, this, this tax, these tax filing websites were transmitting the sensitive financial information to Facebook through this metapixel. We hear this all the time, this piece of code or tracking code that sites embed, and then they allow the social media company to gather data on visitors. Now they claim as they usually do that it's just to deliver a better customer experience, Sarah. Always the excuse. I'm so sick of hearing about Metapixel. It's driving. It's everywhere. You know. You don't realize what it's been coded into. Personalize your interactions with us. Right. For advertising purposes, right? It sounds so innocuous. Mm -hmm. So uh, the sites that they found in this investigation that were sending the sensitive data were operated by H&R Block, TaxCut, TaxSlayer, and into its TurboTax. And those are the most common ones everybody's using. Exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's refreshing, isn't it? Tax Act, they say that they have about 3 million consumer and professional users also use Google's analytics tool on its website. And the markup found similar financial data, but not names being sent to Google through its tool. So, yeah. Shocker. Oh. Google and Facebook again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Those names always pop up. I'm surprised Amazon's not in on this yet, you know? <laughs> not yet. TaxSlayer, another widely used filing service, sent personal information to Facebook as part of the social media company's advanced matching system. Wow, this just sounds so advanced. <laughs> <laughs> and that gathers information on web visitors in an attempt to link them to Facebook accounts. Why would you want that? Hmm. So the information gathered through the pixel on TaxLayer's site included phone numbers, the name of the user filling out the form, and the names of any dependents added to the return. Okay. You're going to get upset mama and papa bears out there because dependents are usually kids. <laughs> They're yep. not going to like that. And as with TaxAct, specific demographic information about a user was obfuscated but still usable for Facebook to link a user to an existing profile. Now, TaxLayer has said it completed 10 million federal and state tax returns last year. Hmm. And then, of course, TurboTax, owned by Intuit, they claim they did not send financial information to Meta, but rather usernames and the last time a device signed in. In some circumstances, the Pixel also gathered information like an order ID number and user's email address after they signed in. So I guess the, the bigger story here is the data transmitted to Facebook and in some cases that, that in some cases included users' income, filing status, refund amounts, dependents, college scholarship amounts. Wow. Every time I hear this, it's just, I always, why do you need this? You know, and it's always monetary. Now, I certainly didn't read the privacy statements of these because I've seen I've seen like, you know, the high level and it's long. Yeah. And, and small They'll give print. you a little blurb. I know when I finished mine, I even told my husband, I was like, take a screenshot so I can read that for the podcast. But it does. It has like this little paragraph for your privacy statements. If you want to read more, click here. And then it's just like pages long of things that you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I can understand this if I tried to read it. It's almost, you can just see when the attorneys are drafting those things up that they're just laughing in a yeah. room together. You're going, not going to read this. <laughs> they could put anything they wanted in there. So in the days before and after the markup published its investigation, 
tax services either, as they, they claim, wholly removed or changed the settings of their pixels to stop gathering financial information. Meta has said it operates automated uh, filtering systems to avoid storing sensitive data it detects being improperly sent by the pixel. Yeah, I'd love to see that definition. Yeah. But the company hasn't detailed any information or how the system works or provided any details on the effectiveness of this system. So probably there's probably some things going on that would make a lot of people angry. Yeah, I just sort of hope these people, it's like you always hope they're going to get punished for it. You're literally breaking a tax code law, you know, but it's it's like you these people, if it was anybody else, you usually would be doing prison time. And, yeah. you know, you'd be huge fines for things like this. But every time I hear Facebook, Metapixel or Google, I'm like, nothing will come of this. And even if they do have to pay a fine, it's like a blip on their radar. You know, it's just not a big deal to them. It's They've, like these people trying to hurry and like, oh, OK, we've stopped gathering that data. We won't do it again. And it's like a slap on the hand. It's like, I hope you get punished because. There's code supposed to be protecting us and you guys are still doing it. Yeah. I'm convinced that they just have a lot of lobbyists. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. Follow the money. Yeah. So this also isn't the first time Meta has faced a lawsuit over this Metapixel. So earlier in um, 2022, the markup also showed how the Metapixel gathered. And I think we talked about this too in a past episode. It gathered sensitive health information from hospital websites uh, which really seemed to me, I don't know about you, but a violation of federal health privacy law. Another law, and they're just blatantly yep. disregarding. And since that investigation was published, Meta has faced at least five proposed class action lawsuits related to that particular topic. And uh, toward the end of this episode, we're going to give you some tips for protecting your data privacy. But up next... We'll look at these tax filing systems in more detail. But first, this quick message from our sponsor. Are you tired of big tech spying on you? MySudo is the world's only all-in-one app that gives you back control of your privacy. By creating digital profiles or pseudos, you can compartmentalize your online activities by setting up a unique phone number, email address, and handle for things like shopping, accessing free content, and using dating apps. This breaks the data trail linking back to your personal info thus reducing your digital exhaust. Each pseudo also includes a private web browser with ad and tracker blocker. Want to stop companies from sharing data related to your transactions and spending habits? Set up a MySudo virtual card and bring peace of mind that your transactions are secure and private. To learn more, visit mysudo.com. That's mysudo.com. Stay private. Okay, Sarah, accounting firm attacks. Lots of hacking going on in the world. So, Accounting firms are pretty sizable targets, I would imagine, uh, for cyber crime. And hackers have a much bigger incentive to hack this data uh, related to accounting firms because, of course, accounting firms are gold mines of data. And I guess advertisers apparently agree, but I think the hackers probably want that information even more. Accounting firms have servers that contain crucial information like employee details, payroll data, bank account details, tax IDs, and financial data in general. So Accounting Today reports that there has been a 300% increase in cyber attacks on accounting firms since the inception of work from home. Whoa. That's intense. I feel like working from home had its benefits, but it's brought a lot of stuff with it. Yeah. And we talked too about the um, 
I guess just the overall corporate security dilemma with people yeah. working at home now and unsecured routers and yeah. They've got other challenges now. So according to the IRS in 2022, 92% of Americans filed their taxes electronically. Wow. So there's only eight people sending it in the old fashioned way. <laughs> 8%. Yeah. So whether you're choosing to use a CPA or filing on your own online, do your due diligence. Make sure you vet out all privacy and security policies and ensure your tax prep provider is using updated software. And in fact, even check or ask what sort of accounting security measures are being employed. It probably would take some effort to do, but it does. And like looking back maybe 10 years ago when my husband and I were using a family friend as a CPA to file our taxes, I remember looking at his computer and this program he used looked like some like 1980s software. I think it was like DOS is what it was called or something where you just keyboard to toggle around and there's no mouse and it's just got that old font and bright colors. And looking back, that definitely just like didn't feel secure. I was like, this is like 2010, something like that. I knew there had to be better software. I was like, this feels outdated. Something yeah, that feels super safe. Yeah, you're right. It's especially true if you're using just some friend of a friend CPA. Right. And where are they at Starbucks doing your taxes? Yeah. <laughs> I better hope it's secure. <laughs> so... Uh, so with uh, with how prevalent cybercrime is uh, against accounting firms and software, it's really important that that we or even a CPA use the services that are current and have strong security measures in place. And so, again, if it is a friend of a friend who's a CPA, you know, I mean, you know, don't go on the uh, offensive, I guess, but uh, just have a nice adult conversation and just say, hey, you know, where do you do the taxes? What what piece what, of equipment do you use? And what, what kind software of safety are program? you using? Yeah. Yeah. Got to make sure it's legit. Yeah. And doing a quick search, it looks like, um, as we've mentioned, TurboTax and H&R Block are still considered the most common tax filing services, um, which helps our podcast because um, those two companies are always heavily investigated around tax season. And I was reading through a Washington Post article from last April called, You Agreed to What? Tax Sites Want Your Data for More Than Filing. So they invest. They investigated why TurboTax and H&R Block ask you to give up your returns, basic federal privacy protections, and it explains how to demand your data back. So they found that while starting your taxes with H&R Block online, and when you're setting up your account, after you've already agreed to H&R Block's regular privacy policy, the website asks for permission to also access your data. And as you've said, to optimize your H&R Block experience. <laughs> it goes on to say, quote, if you agree to share your tax return details after you file, we can provide many benefits. Then it asks you to click agree to two bunches of legalese and one labeled as personalized services and the other as quicker product support. They started finding that there's this sort of evolution of the tax prep software industry where they're going from just processors of returns to profiteers of personal data. I feel like that's always the path it ends up taking. And they called it in this article, the Facebookization of personal finance. Um, America's most popular online tax prep service into its TurboTax also asks you to grant it additional access to the data in your return to, quote, enrich your financial profile, communicate with you about Intuit services, and provide insights to you and others, end quote. Mm. So although these companies can't legally sell your data to third parties because of that IRS code, you know, they're, as we've seen and we're reading about, they're finding workarounds. And what they're doing is they want to also, what they're saying is they're using the contents of your return to target you with 
offers or advertisements to help them upsell you on other things. So aside from this Metapixel route that they got going, what they're saying is they're just using it for their own benefit. So I'm not selling it out. I'm using it for you to upgrade within our own service. So that's sort of one of their other loopholes. So, you know, it's like, you've got this good news of the IRS rule that, you know, I, you can request to actually say no to this stuff. So while you continue to do your taxes online, you know, it'll, you can continue, just say no, just say no. You don't need that extra stuff in there. And if you've already clicked agree, there are options in there as well. If you change your mind to get rid of that. So this article goes on to say that although America is sorely lacking privacy laws, it does have one that prevents tax prep companies from disclosing the contents of your tax return. For H&R Block and Intuit, that means they can't automatically use the contents of anyone's returns for purposes other than preparing taxes. Um, Both companies are asking you to grant them special permission to go beyond these default federal protections and use your return, including your income, investments, and mortgage details, for these upsell opportunities. Um, They also found that H&R Block asks your permission to share some of the content for your return with two independent companies in the Philippines that help them do their customer service. So it kind of goes back to what you were talking about. Like, even if I pay for this, what is that customer service going to look like? And it's like, you've got people in another country who probably don't know our tax laws that well. So I'm not sure what kind of service I'm really going to get if maybe I understand more than they do. So by clicking yes, this means that if you call it support line, you're probably going to be connected to someone in the Philippines. And it also means that should one of H&R Block's overseas partners get breached or lose your data, you might have less recourse to take action or sue them since they're not a US company. So if you do click yes for this personalized service or these offers, it means you're probably going to receive marketing from H&R Block or Intuit that's eerily specific to your financial situation. And both companies claim you might actually want these offers because they could save you more money. For example, H&R Block says if a tax law changes that might impact your particular situation, it can reach out to you with advice and probably other services to sell you. Or if your data indicates you have a very high mortgage rate, Intuit might show you an ad for where you could get a lower one. So this article just recommends saying, say no to both of these requests for offers and to help them, you know, to help you with customer service. Yeah. And as you're talking about this, I was thinking about that this particular tax season, I used free tax USA. Now for the state, the state return was a sub 20 bucks, I think maybe 15, 16, $17. And outside of TurboTax and I think tax cut is the one I've used the most over time. And those are pretty pricey as you start adding state returns yeah. and more complicated service levels. But you just got to start wondering, they've got to be sharing your data, how they making money, right? What's the model? Yeah, the if, cheap ones. If, yeah. If you're in a, because even with the state return, if it's less than 20 bucks, I mean, you need a lot of volume to be cranking out uh, yeah. the kind of money that is going to support a business. So so Intuit has been going deeper into a kind of business that uses our personal information as its fuel. Now, it recently acquired Credit Karma. We've seen those commercials, right. right? Yep. And Credit Karma's entire business model asks you to pay with your privacy for free services like credit scores. Yep. 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 <laughs> yep, yep. There it is. <laughs> Now, as of course we say a lot of times here on the podcast, if the product is free, that means you are the product. Yep. When tax prep is free, you may be paying with your privacy. So yeah, so I did look back too at the um, some of the privacy policy stuff for Free Tax USA since I did use them. Now they did say 
out in front, we do not collect or sell data from the information on your tax return. Which is them probably covering their bases for that IRS code. <laughs> and then we'll see what's behind the curtain. And I slept so much more soundly after <laughs> reading sure that. I'm sure you did. <laughs> so the free tax software is, of course, not all created equal, just like any other free platform out there on the internet. So some might want to upsell you. And they did frequently. They kept saying, hey, are you sure you don't want yeah. the services of our <laughs> really intelligent, smart accounting staff? Right. Uh, and then, of course, others want your data in return. So let's take a look at Credit Karma. They, uh, because they're free, what they do is they take the details of your tax returns, like how much you earn, how much you pay on your mortgage, and they target you with financial advertising. Now, it makes money by showing you tailored offers for credit cards and loans based on a profile of your financial life. Do you, are you aware of anybody? Do you know anybody that's used Credit Karma? I've never encountered somebody. I don't personally, but I'm also not walking around asking people who yeah. they <laughs> use. I mean, sometimes I, I just stick with H&R Block or, you know, this. we did use TurboTax this year. So uh, those are usually my go-tos. Well, it's, it's almost like Credit Karma has become like a cultural icon just because of their commercials and they're just everywhere. You and hear I, that name all the time. But I never run into somebody who's used them. So. And I think just because of sort of the economy where living in. And I think everybody's always looking for a deal. And so when you hear things are free, you're like, oh, awesome. I can file this for free while you're busy paying $120, you know, so I can see the, the want for it. Yeah. So Credit Karma CEO, Kenneth Lynn, uh, quote said, we're gathering information on behalf of the users. We help consumers find the very best financial services products, leveraging the information algorithms on our site. Oh, Again. thank you so much. He's doing so, so he's just doing good work. We're here for you. <laughs> he's here for me. And uh, as Forbes once described Credit Karma, it's Big Brother with benefits. <laughs> That's, That's a good way to put it. I guess so. The article says Credit Karma, like Facebook, doesn't need to sell data to make money. Its business is selling access to you through highly targeted offers on its website, which provides advice on how you can improve your credit. And I've noticed a lot of credit cards now just offer credit credit scores for free as just part of their service. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like I always wonder why people want to pay for these extra services because you can go to Experian or any of these. What Everything's free. You mm -hmm. can pull a free credit report at any time. Well, they try to scare you into saying, well, you got to monitor it every month. Yeah. And I'm like, I think if you pull it just quarterly or, you know, three times a year, you'll be great. Now, although Credit Karma says it hasn't ever suffered a data breach, well, that's that just they jinxed themselves now. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> In 2014, before it had a tax service, they did get in trouble with the FTC for not securing their app, potentially putting credit card details and social security numbers at risk. But they do say they have fixed that since and now they are offering security protections like two-factor authentication and they are paying ethical hackers to routinely look for flaws. Now, apparently TurboTax has started doing something similar to Credit Karma's model as well. And when uh, TurboTax users finish doing their taxes, some now get a prompt to import their data into a sister site named Turbo. I was not aware of this which uses financial data to generate personalized advice and offers for credit cards and loans. So here comes the cross-selling and yep. everything else. Ugh. It's all tied. Yeah. And there are 
actually a, like dozens of free no upsell services run by pro bono by the tax prep industry, but you do have to qualify for it. And I can't remember if it's like it's anywhere between 65 or $76,000 if that's your you know annual income that you can qualify for it. So we always say if it's free, you know, be, be wary of it, which is true. But if you actually need a free service, those pro bonos are out there. And some questions you might just, you know, ask yourself with any business that wants your data couple questions. One, what information is being used? Two, who is it being shared with? Three, how secure is it? And four, how long are they holding on to it? Let's take a quick break for this message from our sponsor. The global average cost of a data breach is nearly $4.5 million, but that's viewing it from a liability perspective. Today, privacy is a value proposition for software providers. When you develop a reputation for protecting customers' personal information, you don't just acquire new customers, you make them loyal. Sino Platform is the world's premier cloud platform for providing developers with a menu of enterprise-ready SDKs and APIs that make integrating privacy solutions into your software so easy. Built for developers by developers, from identity wallets and password managers to virtual cards and secure encrypted communications, Pseudo Platform has you covered. Go to market quickly with a privacy platform that is scalable, flexible, and secure. To learn more, visit pseudoplatform.com. That's pseudoplatform.com. And now, Sarah, I think the part people have been waiting for, it's time for some tips. Right. It's my favorite part. We always like helping people out. So last year, there were close to 8 million reports of suspicious activity related to income tax filing and identity theft. And with 92% of tax returns last year having been filed electronically, cybersecurity is so important and taking the right precautions personally are really important. So even though these popular tax filing platforms such as TurboTax and H&R Block, they have to follow regulatory requirements around it and they go through compliance and audit processes to be able to store data. But the executive director at the National Cybersecurity Alliance said the biggest issue isn't so much on the security program of providers as it is we humans as users of those platforms, which we've always talked about that human error So here are some steps consumers can take to protect themselves. I narrowed it to 10. I found so many good. I think identity theft is such a big thing in this country. So I narrowed it to 10. I just think these are really important for people to take. So number one, use secure filing websites. Some of these I'll dive into and some I'll just breeze through. Number two, create strong, unique passwords for all of your accounts and enable multi-factor authentication. That pops up all the time on our tips. It's really important. Number three, file taxes promptly before someone impersonates you. This one can be really common. Um, Number four, be alert for phishing scams, emails, texts, and calls. Number five, securely store and share sensitive documents. Vet your accountant's cybersecurity practices. We talked about that one. Number seven, use a secure Wi-Fi connection when filing taxes or sending tax information online. We talk about secure Wi-Fi a lot. Number eight, watch your postal mailbox for tax information returns such as IRS forms, you know, W-2, 1099s. Be sure to provide your new address to any organization that might be mailing you those tax information forms and grab your mail often, if not not daily, especially around tax season. You don't want to leave that stuff hanging around. And number nine, if you use a professional tax service, check out its privacy policy and secure practices first. 
And the last one I'm going to put in here, use my pseudo. There is a way to do that. So if you're using pseudo digital identities for everything else you do online, whether you're booking travel, travel, subscribing to streaming services, buying gifts in the holiday sales, whatever it might be, you've broken that data trail that is useful to Facebook and Google, and you've made it more difficult for them to track and correlate your habits and information into any sort of valuable consumer profile. If you're digitally using your pseudo personas online, you'll be using different information from the information the tax service might give to Facebook or Google or anyone else. So as creepy as it is that Facebook and Google might have your personal tax information, it's not as valuable to them as it might otherwise be because they can't correlate it to your other online activities. And also another way to use my pseudo that I know that we use like during tax season is when you're using those online tax prep companies like TurboTax to file for yourself, when you create an online account to you can check your status, receive emails for status updates, and even to log in for next year, use a pseudo email address and phone number. And you know what, as I'm thinking about all of this and we're kind of telling the story, isn't it a shame that has gotten this complicated that there's this whole industry of tax prep services like this that has cropped up that you got to go through this ordeal? Yeah. It's a shame. Something else. It's like you are requiring this of everybody every single year. And it is something I think, I don't know one person that's like, yay, I'm excited for tax season. It is such a pain in the butt from beginning to end. And it's just this security layer on top of everything we have to stress about gathering for tax season. It's just something else to worry about. Yeah. And then the fear of an audit. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Always hovering over you. (laughs) So as we Start to wrap this up. Now, after you've filed your tax return, be sure to shred any documents containing personal information, especially your social security number. I personally, I don't know about you, I don't really have any, I don't really have any physical documents anymore. For the most part, it's all digital. So I, I get concerned. Maybe I'm not doing enough to protect where I store things on my computer. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm a big filer. I'm kind of like OCD about it a little bit. So we actually have a bucket and I don't know if it's just like, old school that's been passed down to me that says, keep it for at least 10 years in case something comes up. So I literally have my buckets with organized files in it for each year. And so every year, my what we've turned it into is it's like a family affair. My kids love to shred things. And so we just turn on the shredder and I'm like, here you go. Who's t- here's 2013. And it's kind of funny to look back and see like what we were filing for and, you know, like what we were keeping and stuff. But we just turned it into a family affair of shredding things. So go out and get a shredder. They're super cheap. And hey, kids, get your kids involved. It's family time. It is. You just have to make sure they're shredding the right things. So keep an eye on that. <laughs> yeah, because it gets fun. They get carried away. They do. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I'm getting any physical documents anymore. So that kind of concerns. I don't even know what the statute of limitations is on an audit. I mean, I guess yeah, federal I'm government's not, probably forever. Yeah, I you have to I know there's definitely like they can only maybe go back so far yeah. up to a certain point. But yeah, I definitely know like even here at work, I didn't get one in the mail this year. It was like I just went online. There's something about just printing out hard copies of things sometimes that I'm like, I'd rather just have a hard copy, whether it's you know, my closing documents on a home or something. I feel like when everything is just online, I I I worry about not having access to that one day or forgetting a password to access something. So I don't know. I like hard paper sometimes still. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's, that's not as easily hackable. Right. You know, we've talked about the, they had those two episodes on smart devices. And and now as I'm thinking about this more, 
I've got all of my stuff stored on my laptop. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, somebody figures out a way to access that if I'm on a public Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's problematic. Yeah. So, okay. Well, maybe I'm going to change my behavior after this. (laughs) Converted you to paper. (laughs) So the second thing is, is finally watch out for IRS imposters. Uh, And I did, I mentioned before, some phishing attack attempts on me. I think when I was living in Florida where somebody claimed to be an IRS agent out of the Austin office in Texas and said uh, that my social security number had been suspended, which I think that's even And they got real aggressive. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like what's sad is um, the older generation gets targeted a lot as well, because I think we all sort of live in fear of the IRS calling me and doing an audit or I owe something, you know, cause it's, it is, can be such a stressful process. It's like, you already know how much I owe. Why am I going through all this? You know? So, but I think it's so easy to target certain people because we just have this fear that, oh, I do owe more or something. So they're more willing to give this information, but you should never be having to give that information over the phone. And so look out for the red flags. We're going to give you some in just a second. Yeah. And I, and I, that also kind of jarred something else I just saw on the news was, um, there was something at the Supreme court level where there was a case, uh, they're going back and forth trying to figure out if the IRS has the ability to Basically, if they don't trust Sarah's tax return, they can just go straight to your bank account and just check out all your records oh, without geez. your consent. So I'm like, oh, Lovely. boy. Yeah. Anyway, so the IRS advises you to be suspicious about possible tax fraud if you receive a letter from the IRS about a tax return you didn't file. Yeah, that, that yeah. would be suspicious. Also, um, if uh, you can't electronically file your return because of a duplicate Social Security number, and you get a tax transcript in the mail that you didn't request. Uh, another one is if you receive an IRS notice about an online account being created in your name or stating that your account has been accessed or disabled when you didn't take these actions. So you got some identity theft issues going on. And get an IRS notice declaring you owe more taxes that you're the target of collection action which I can imagine that wouldn't be a popular one Mm -hmm. and then receive an IRS notice reporting that you received wages or other income from an employer you didn't work for. I mean, the scams are just out of control. Yeah, they're trying. They're trying real hard. It is exhausting. I feel like being on the good side is exhausting. Sometimes you feel like you're constantly on the defense and you do have to take so many extra precautions against these people. And there's been so the frequency of these types of, um, scams have been so plentiful that I actually find myself sometimes ignoring or overlooking legitimate communications because I, I almost assume everything is a scam now. Right. Yeah. I know my husband and I, when we're looking at the mail, sometimes I'll get something and be like, do, is our mortgage with this person? You're like, I start questioning myself about <laughs> who my mortgage is with, or, you know, like who's my car loan with, because these people are making it sound like that that they're the ones that I've been banking with. And I questioned myself for a second because it looks so legit. And we even had like um, our lender, you know, he's like, if you ever get some mail that you're unsure about, just call us and we'll make sure it came from us. And it is funny how sometimes I'm like, do do we bank with these people? You know, I'm like, I question it for a second because they look legitimate. So you do have to be careful. Don't be so quick to, you know, be like, oh, I do owe something. Let me call them or, you know, it's tough. You've got to like weed through it a little bit. Now, if you get to the point where you're like, are those my kids? That could be a problem. <laughs> Question. That's just personal problem at that point. <laughs> oh, well, cool. Um, I think this was very helpful. And I know we're just a few days out before that filing deadline. So hope uh, everybody is 
having as low stress or stress-free tax <sighs> season as possible. Right. <laughs> yep. Any closing thoughts or any comments you want to leave us with? No, I think just overall, no, as usual, know and protect your rights during tax season. Exactly. Yeah. Just be careful, be smart, and just uh, stay vigilant, keep the head on a swivel. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. In our next episode, Sarah and I will be talking about virtual cards. Every year in the United States alone, there are nearly 400,000 cases of credit card fraud. And virtual cards give you an extra layer of protection between your financial data and the merchants you transact with. Until next time, don't forget, privacy is a human right.